Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Amen. We can never praise Him enough. Turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. And uh, as Brother Latta did a phenomenal job yesterday morning teaching on evangelism, I want to take that opportunity this morning as well. And I hope that when I announce my text that you didn't turn me off. I'm going to actually maybe preach a little shorter this morning. That's my intent. And we have baptism uh, this morning. And so looking forward to that. And uh, again, Acts 1.8, the church was giving a purpose by, by the Lord, Jesus Christ, a purpose. That's really popular today. Nearly every business I know and even churches now will have purpose statements. And uh, can I tell you the purpose statement of the church is pretty simple. And that's found in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus gave the Great Commission to go into the world and teach the gospel, to baptize and disciple. That is our purpose. Our primary purpose is to win people to Jesus Christ, to see them get saved, to see them baptized, and to see them discipled. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful the Lord left us with a purpose. I want to clarify, too, that the primary purpose of the church is not to feed the poor. That's a good thing, and it's, it, it's, it's a, uh, an admirable thing, and, and it's something the church should be uh, a part of, but it's not the primary purpose of the church. The primary the purpose of the church is not fellowship. And I just spent the last 30 minutes in Sunday school encouraging our church family to fellowship, but that's not the primary purpose. Uh, the primary purpose of the church is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at, with me in Acts 1.8. We see here Jesus Christ crucified, risen again from the dead, 50 days prior to this, or 40 days prior to this. Here he is 40 days later after his resurrection. He is about to ascend into heaven. And he says this to his disciples and those who had gathered there. He says unto them, But ye shall, look at verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we come to you. Uh, just thanking you, God, for all that you've done for us in sending your son Jesus Christ in this world to die and be buried and rise again from the dead, that we might have our sins forgiven and have a home in heaven. Lord, help us as a church family to, to be faithful in spreading the gospel. Help us again here this morning to be encouraged and, uh, Lord, to continue in spreading the gospel message. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about Brother Damer Kraken in the revival meeting, and he began his sermon on uh, the sermon series on the gospel and uh, such a for us who have been in church a long time such a uh, a subject that we have preached and taught on so much that most of us could recount the gospel backwards and forwards and and in many different ways i'm so thankful for that sermon series it opened my eyes again to how um, amazing the gospel is and and not only how amazing it is but but how how it is vast and, and how that you can continue to learn more about the gospel. Even though you may have been saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you can still learn more. So I would say, if you probably would agree, those of you who have been saved a long time, if there was a second subject 
other than the gospel, that's preached on the most. And in our type churches, it's evangelism. And that's Matthew 28. It's, it's Acts 1-8. It's Mark 16-15. Uh, it's, it's Luke chapter 24. And these are preached over and over again. We have missionaries in on purpose. And nearly half the missionaries who come in that we let speak, sometimes we don't let them preach. But when they do preach, most of the time they're going to turn to one of these uh, particular uh, passages and preach on them. So we've heard them over and over and over again. I remember as a kid uh, being raised in church and sitting in a pew. And the pews were kind of that yellow color. And they had that carpet like we have in some of our rooms that if you peeled up just a little bit of it, it would just run, you know, for a half a mile. And so when missionaries came in and you had the projector, back then it was projector with the click, 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 you know, and the, the slides show, you know, and it was dark in there. Some of us kids would get on the floor and we might pick at the carpet, you know. Uh, I don't know why I remember that. It just comes to mind. But I remember very vividly growing up, all the missionaries that came through our church and, and the, the gospel that's been presented, but also evangelism over and over and over again to the point where many times if we're not careful, uh, we will sh- kind of shut down when we hear again that somebody's about to preach on evangelism. But to go with the weekend that we've had, and this is the first day of the week, about reset, I think it was appropriate this morning for be reminded as a church that we have a purpose. And once a year, at least, we try to bring this forward and just remind our church that our primary purpose is to win people to Jesus Christ. Our primary purpose is to get the gospel out. Again, we're left with one purpose. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we replace the best, uh, we replace the good with the best. In other words, it's good to feed people. It's good to help people. It's good to care for people. It's good to fellowship. It's good to do all these other things. But the best thing we can do is to give somebody the gospel. The, the best thing we can do. Again, sometimes we might replace the good with the best. It's kind of like hi- hiring a plumber. And you, you have a leak and you hire a plumber and you call and say, hey, um, the, the, you know, my faucet, uh, the kitchen faucet is, is not working, it's stopped up, whatever the case is. And so, but you say to them, hey, I, I can't be there. The door is open. Just come on in if you'd get that fixed. And so the plumber shows up. The door is open. He walks in. Uh, he notices that the living room paint is not as good as it should be. He sees a couple of deals where something had gotten started. The homeowner had gotten, gotten started painting the living room. He decides to start painting the living room. He starts painting the living room. And, uh, and the homeowner comes home and says, looks at the plumber and goes, uh, I hired you to come over here and fix the kitchen sink. He said, well, man, this really needs to be painted. Well, I mean, paint the living room's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. I didn't hire you to come paint the living room. I hired you to come fix the plumbing. Again, there's a lot of good things we can do as Christians. Lots and lots of good things. And we ought to do those things. We ought not to leave them off as well. But the primary thing, the primary thing we as Christians ought to do is tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. To give them the gospel, the hope, the hope. Man, there's so much dark news today. There is so much clouds just seems to hover over everything today and can we be reminded there's light by the way the sun's always shining above the clouds and and the lord uh, jesus christ came two thousand years ago and that he lived a sinless life for 33 and a half years and yet not for his own sins but for our sins he died on the cross of calvary and there he shed his blood on calvary he died on calvary they took him off the cross they put him in a tomb And he laid in that tomb for three days. But on the third day, he arose from the dead. 
having paid for our sins in full. And listen, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never trusted in Him as your only means of salvation from God's wrath, from hell, and to have a home in heaven, I hope that you'll do so today. The greatest decision you will ever make in your life, the most life-changing decision that you can make is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It will impact every area. Listen, I didn't get saved just so I could have heaven. I got saved and God has changed my life now. He's given me a better life now. I'm thankful. I'm looking forward to heaven. The hope within us is great. But boy, the benefits now that I experience having have Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Churches are the primary vehicle that God uses, the primary agency that God uses to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is up to us to keep the main thing the main thing. Sunday school teachers that we expressed in Sunday school this morning and children's church workers and master club workers and whatever area you're involved in, every area of Heritage Baptist Church, every ministry of Heritage Baptist Church ought to be about reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do our very best to do so. This verse says, but ye shall receive power. So here it is, uh, Jesus Christ again. This is 40 days after his resurrection. He is, uh, he's about to ascend into heaven. He tells the disciples to go to Jerusalem and there they would uh, receive power. Now the church began, I'm, now I'll give you a little uh, Sunday school class here, just a little a side note, some uh, uh, information that, that may... may uh, May or may not bless you. I don't. Anyway, but the church began in the Gospels. Jesus Christ started the church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church began in the Gospels. It did not begin in Acts chapter 2. The church was empowered in Acts chapter 2 on the day of the gospel, uh, on the day of Pentecost. But it did not start there. Jesus Christ began the church. Uh, John the Baptist put some of the materials together. Jesus Christ started it. And then here we have a fully functioning church with a treasurer and everything, right? Disciples, organized, baptizing. And Jesus Christ is about to ascend into heaven. He's been teaching them off and on for 40 days after his resurrection, right? He's been teaching them. And he's about to ascend into heaven. And the last thing he tells them to do is to go to Jerusalem. And that they should be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost part of the world. The last command he gives them is to go to the world and preach the gospel. I would say if I was about to die and my kids were gathered around my bedside and the very last thing I said to them, I think they would conclude that it was important. Right? Whether I just said I love them or whatever the case is, they would conclude that a dying person would say something on their mind that was pretty important if they know they're about to die, right? Jesus Christ was ascending into heaven. He'd no longer be with them physically. And it was important what he had to say. The last thing he said was to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. Listen, it's important. He says to them to go to Jerusalem that they would be filled, uh, that they would be, receive the power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon them. Uh, again, just, just for um, clarification of this particular verse, if you haven't in your Bible, you should underline the word after. And then out beside it, I have written, not because. Most people read this verse, but you shall receive power because the Holy Ghost came upon you. That's not what it says. 
It says, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It's literally talking about Acts chapter 2, when they were in the, that room and the Holy Ghost came upon them as a wind and as, as a cloven, as a metaphor, as a cloven toad, a fire upon their heads. They were surrounded by, if you would, it, uh, the Holy Ghost. They were baptized there by Jesus Christ in the Holy Ghost, if you would. But the baptism is not what gave them power. It says, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you shall receive power. Well, what happened after that? It says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he got up, the, the, the same man who denied Jesus three times, get, he got up and preached to a, a crowd that had crucified Jesus, and he preached to them that they had murdered Jesus, <laughs> they murdered the Messiah. I mean, he was bold. I don't know about you, you get up and preach to a, a crowd of thousands and thousands, and you tell them that they're a bunch of murderers, that they crucified the Messiah. That's, that's boldness, isn't it? What gave Peter the boldness to stand up and preach the gospel and preach again that they had killed the Messiah and that they are missing the Holy Spirit ministry that was prophesied by the prophet Joel and that they need to accept Jesus? What gave him the boldness to do that? The feeling of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, uh, Christian this morning, you have all the power you need to be the witness you ought to be. I know some of you would say, well, I just, I'm not good at speaking to people. I'm not good at, and Brother uh, McCracken, he, he alluded to this. Hey, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't like talking to people. Well, you can hand somebody a track. And, and I would say to you even more than that, you've been given the power to talk to somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. It, he said, you go and lo, I am with you always. I'll be with you. Amen. If you'll go, if you'll tell somebody, the Lord will be with you. He'll help you. And listen, you don't have to have a three-point outline to tell somebody about Jesus. What did Paul do? Paul the apostle just gave his testimony. Just tell them what God did for you and how you got saved. So he says, to go to Jerusalem and there you receive power. What power? Well, the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, every born-again child of God has the Holy Spirit inside of you. He indwells us in giving us power to witness, and to live, right? To live the, the Christian life. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we ought to, as Christians, be ready always to give an answer to every man of the hope that's within you. You ought to, as a Christian, if you've been a Christian very long, you ought to have the wherewithal, knowledge-wise, to answer someone when they ask you the question, how can I be saved? you ought to be able to answer that question. Whether it's with your testimony or using the Romans road, whatever method, whatever the thing you want to use, you ought to be able to do that. You ought to be able to do that. The Holy Spirit will enable you to do that. And by the way, we ought to be witnesses at our jobs. We, we ought to be witnesses at our school. School's starting. Some of you may have already started. I know Keller, I think, has already started. Be a witness at school. Be a witness to our family members and so forth. Power to evangelize given to us, not to, uh, not to Christianize. In other words, we are to witness and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. Every Christian ought to be a minister. What? Yeah, we're all preachers of the gospel. Not just the pastor, but all of us should be missionaries. Missionaries every day. Where are we to tell? 
Where? Who are we to tell? Well, here it describes it for us. It says, look at verse 8 again. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. What's that word? Both. In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and, in other words, at the same time. At the same time. So, in other words, we're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be a witness in Jerusalem. That would be the equivalent of the great city of Hasslet. I love our city. Uh, I really do. We've been here uh, close to 18 years. Uh, my kids played in the Hassett Sports Association as they were growing up. We enjoy this town. We love the town. We love to see it grow. I'm thankful this, we, there's 700 lots going in inside of Hassett proper to see it grow. Um, I'm thankful for our mayor and our city. We, we pray for them. And uh, we want to reach our city with the gospel. So if you were to um, make the uh, equate Jerusalem, what would you equate it with? Well, that's our Hasslet. Every Sunday school teacher, every children's church worker, every master club worker, every member, we should be reaching our, our community for the gospel, our community. Our programs all to all be pointed towards reaching people with the gospel. Our fall fest is here to reach people with the gospel. And then it says, and Judea. So at the same time as we are ministering to our community and we are reaching them with the gospel, we should reach our state of Texas, our state of Texas. We need to spread the gospel in the state of Texas. Man, there needs to be more churches planted in the state of Texas. You say, well, we're in the Bible Belt. No, I don't, I don't know that there really is a Bible Belt anymore. There are places now um, where there is not a good solid witness in the Metroplex. There are over 7 million people in the Metroplex. And they no way, no how have church planting kept up with the growth. There needs to be a church plant in right here north of us at North Lake. I mean, there's so many places where a, a church plant could be planted. And so I'm thankful we have Brother Stone and many other church planters here in the state that we have supported and helped and so that we can do that at the same time. Notice it says and. I just want to encourage you. It says and. It means at the same time. Well, preacher, how can I be in church here and in our community witnessing and, and be down in Corpus Christi witnessing to people down there? How can I do it at the same time? Uh, by supporting uh, James Stone. By supporting a church planter in Texas. Uh, if you support him by your, by your money or, and by, by your prayer, um, then you have fulfilled your uh, command of the Lord Jesus by doing so at the same time. Number, th number three, it says in Samaria, that would be the United States. I'm thankful we're, we're a part of planting churches in Maryland. And we're a part of planting churches in Kansas. We have church planters we support about, I think, about 10 to 15 at any given time around the, around the United States. Supporting them financially, praying for them. And, uh, that, that, and helping them to plant a church. So we are involved in reaching our community. We're involved in planting churches here in Texas. We're involved in planting churches in America. And then lastly, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that is our foreign missionaries that we support. We support over 80 now foreign missionaries around the world. The sun never goes down. And the sun never sets on Heritage Baptist Church's ministry. Isn't that amazing? That's, a, that's an awesome thought, isn't it? That as we support these foreign missionaries, as they're reaching people in, uh, in uh, Thailand and Samoa and, and reaching people in Spain and, and on and on and on. Our, uh, I, it's just amazing to me that, that I have the opportunity uh, to help a missionary plant a church in Argentina. That I have an opportunity to help a church plant a church in Uganda and on and on and on and on. And by the way, you say, well, preacher, you may not give money towards that. That's, that's not the only way. You pray. 
You could, you could pray for our, our missionaries that we can pray for all of our missionaries every day if you would like to. But we emphasize a couple every, every week because of the list. and Planting churches around the world. We'll say, well, preachers, shouldn't we be trying to feed and humanitarian and all these things? Some of these missionaries do that, but that's not their primary purpose. Their primary purpose is to reach people with the gospel. Let me clarify that as well. I love that promise in Philippians 4.19 that says that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know who that applies to? Every born-again believer. Not just those believers in the United States. Now get this now. If you win somebody to Jesus in Uganda and they get saved, God is obligated to supply that person's needs. Hello? God is obligated. You say, well, God's God. He can do whatever he wants. No, he's, he, can't, he can't break his word. Else he would be a liar. Then he wouldn't be God. No, I'm telling you. You, you win somebody to Jesus, you get them saved, they accept Christ as Savior, and then God has promised to supply all their needs. It's a preacher, maybe they use the missionary to do it, and that may be the case. But the primary purpose is to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, you say, well, it's impossible to do all four at the same time. I've just showed you where it's not impossible. He says at the same time. I want to encourage you to pray for your missionaries. Pray for the church planters. Be involved in local outreach. When we, when we ask for volunteers to help with the Wild West Fest or the National Night Out or one of these community events, we ought to all be jumping saying, Preacher, I want to help. I want to help reach my community. We ought to all be a part of that, working together. I'm thankful that God loves the world, aren't you? That he is no respecter of persons. And we need a worldwide vision that, that God has. By the way, God's vantage point is he sees the whole world. I think sometimes because we live in the United States of America, the greatest nation on earth, the most blessed nation on earth that's ever existed. I think I could prove that historically without a doubt. We sometimes think that we're it. God loves all the world. He loves the person in India just as much as he loves you. He loves the person in Argentina just as much as he loves you. He loves you. If it was just a numerical thing, you say, well, God loves the world. He must love the most populated area. Well, uh, look it up. It's, it's interesting. The island of Java. This is an uh, island there in the Indies, just off the Indian coast. An island with 150 million people on it. It is the most densely populated area in the world. If it was just about population, then God would want to reach them the most. But it's not just about population. God loves the whole world. Again, so many times we focus on our church, our bills, our ministry. We're self-centered as we are personally self-centered. Sometimes as a ministry we become self-centered. We need to be very careful of this. Need to constantly be reaching out to our community. Constantly, yes, spending the money to do those things. Yes, spending our labor and efforts to reach our community. But also to reach the, reach the world. Be involved in foreign mission giving. There on your envelope, it has faith promise there. And you can just take the envelope 
and give something systematically towards uh, the missionaries whom we support. The field is widened to harvest, the laborers are few. By the way, farmers don't work just a little portion of the field, they work all the field. And that's what we've been commanded to do, to work the whole field. Not just some corner, but the whole thing. God's intention was not for us to finish at home and then go. No, we're supposed to be doing it at the same time. I've always been surprised. Everywhere I've been, I haven't been a lot of places around the world. been to Israel and Mexico, Honduras, Dominican Republic, a few other places, not a whole lot. Everywhere I go, <clears throat> you know who's there? Pepsi and Coca-Cola. I've been, we've been to some remote places. I don't care how remote you get. Generally speaking, you're going to find Coke or Pepsi there. They've done a fantastic job, haven't they? We should do a better job. We ought to do a better job than Coca-Cola. We, we, we need to get the message to the whole world. The whole, the whole world needs Jesus. Why should, somebody has said this. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? How do we accomplish this? To go into all the world simultaneously? I've already said how to do that. But you need to go. You personally ought to be telling somebody about Jesus. The greatest work you can do. Secondly, you can send a substitute. You, you, can't, you may not be called to go to, you know, to Argentina, but you send somebody in your place. We have multiple missionaries there. And by the way, Philippians chapter 4 makes it very clear that that missionary who wins people to Jesus, if you're supporting them and praying for them, you, you, that fruit abounds to your account. What does that mean, preacher? It means you're going to be rewarded for it. You say, well, I'm not working for a reward. Huh? Paul was. <laughs> Amen. Someday we'll be rewarded in heaven. We ought to go to every place, be a part of spreading the gospel. You say, well, preacher, I don't, I'm on a fixed income. I don't have any money. You can pray. You can pray. You say, well, how, how much does that really matter? I don't have time this morning to develop this thought, but Daniel prayed, and his prayer was held up for three weeks by dark forces, it says. You say, that really happens? Yeah. We need more people praying. Praying for our missionaries, that God would protect them. That God would put a hedge of thorns about them. Man, there's, we, we live in a dangerous world today. Our, our prayers are very important for our missionaries. Very important. God only had one son. He sent him as a missionary. <laughs> Amen? And we ought to be a missionary every day, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. You say, well, I don't believe God's called me the field. Well, again, pray and send somebody in your place. I just, again, want to challenge our church to keep the main thing the main thing. Our primary purpose is not to foster a sense of community for fellowship. It's not the primary purpose. It's, an important, it's important, but not the primary. It's good. I'm going to enjoy some good fellowship tonight, but it's, it's not the best. The best is to make sure that we're giving the gospel out. May we continue to be faithful in spreading the gospel. Let's all stand. Have a verse invitation as those who are ready for baptism get ready for that. Hymn 118, I need thee every hour. After we pray. Heavenly Father, we again come to you. But what a blessing it is that you have given us the responsibility. That you have 
honored us with the responsibility to spread the gospel. Lord, through your spirit, empower us to achieve and to work and to do what you've commanded us to do. I do pray that there's someone here this morning who's never accepted Christ as Savior. Lord, may your Holy Spirit convict their heart. May your Holy Spirit give them courage to step out of their chair and come forward and accept you today. Lord, maybe there's someone here today who's hurting, who's going through a a trial or test. Lord, may you comfort their hearts this morning as well. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.